0: I'm Sophie Scott
2: and I'm James Gill.
0: Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone.
2: We'll be chatting with our favourite people,
0: sharing uplifting news stories
2: and delivering tips and tricks
0: to bring balance to your lives.
2: Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Our guest today is a single film and TV show you've ever seen in your life. He's one of those guys. He he would be the winner of, oh yes, I've seen him in and then you'd go on on IMDb and without you even realising it, he'd been in everything. He's, i mean arguably his biggest hit in terms of yeah i would i would say this sex education he he's he's wonderful in sex education which has become this global mega smash we talk about that a lot he's in uh, rogue one the star wars spin-off we talk about that we, i mean we we talk about a great deal the night manager the bank job God, is it, what a, what a cv Oh, also, is in one of my favourite movies of recent years. Uh, And that is Cloud Atlas. Have you seen... Now, a friend of mine pointed out that with all of this, the lockdown and the, you know, the thing, emotions are all over the place. Laughing hysterically one minute, weeping the next. Now, if you want to watch a movie, if you... I really mean this. If you feel like you need a good cathartic sob. Now, I watched Avengers Endgame for the fifth time this morning and wept buckets. <laughs> but I think it's good. You know, regular listeners will know that I I do enjoy a good crime. Um, anyway, I would recommend Cloud Atlas. What a film that is. So... Uh, so, Alistair's in Cloud Atlas, which is a remarkable film. It's based on the David Mitchell uh, novel. I'm not going to say anything else. It's it's a, a time-hopping, character-jumping... What the film is saying is that our souls live on through time through different people. And so... By the way, I did not intend to talk about Cloud Atlas as much as I am doing in this intro. <laughs> So our souls are eternal, but they live on through different people. So in Cloud Atlas, you will have actors reappearing through time, playing different parts, and in a certain person's life, they have a really prominent role. And then we jump to another moment in time, they have a a smaller role in that person's life. It's a real, it's probably the sort of thing that you thought about in private. So certainly sort of thing I thought about in private. And then for David Mitchell to not that not the peep show, David Mitchell for the novelist David Mitchell to articulate those thoughts and to then sit on the big screen is it's pretty extraordinary. So I, I adore that movie. And as I say, a lot of us have a lot of time on our hands. This, by the way, says the man who is taking a break from teaching his uh, eldest, who is uh, four and a half. So my wife and I are taking it in turns for homeschooling. There's a chance you have a similar setup. Anyway, Alistair Petrie's CV is remarkable. He's done loads and loads and loads. Uh, We recorded this just before. I'll tell you what, he'd sort of, of in a way, given me the exclusive that sex education was returning. You'll you'll see what I mean when you listen. And then a couple of days later, it was confirmed. (laughs) Um, But God bless him for trying. (laughs) I really mean that. A really lovely guy. A very talented man. He's one of those guys. He's brilliant in everything. Sex, sex, educa- sex Education is on Netflix uh, now. And I would absolutely strongly recommend it. If you've got uh, Disney+, Plus, Rogue One is on there. And I would say... I don't know if Night Manager is still on iPlayer. Might be on that box. Night Manager will be somewhere, won't it? Anyway... I would say if you have a spare bit of time, and I know a lot of us do have, go on to IMDb, check out Alistair Petrie, and you will join me in going. Oh God, yeah, he's been he's been in loads that I've that I've seen. Uh, he's also in a terrific new film called Sulphur and White. I chatted with the the lead, Mark Stanley, in a, a very recent episode, and that. Obviously, we can't go to the cinema, so I wonder if they're going to rush that onto Home Ends. I hope so. Look out for Sulfur and White. Anyway, here he is, an immensely likeable uh, man, an immensely talented actor. I tell you what, if you're going to have a dinner party, I'd want Petri top of that list, because he would absolutely run the show in the best way possible. So, uh, as ever, please do share this episode. It helps like you wouldn't believe, especially given what's going on Right now, you know. Uh, so, if you could, we are at Balance LDN, and I'm at James Gill Comedy, and uh, I'll see. I'll see when he's finished. Here he is. Uh, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on here. It's such a pleasure. I'm going to start off with With th- this, th- this is a huge compliment, but David Letterman hosted the Oscars in 1995, and he introduced Tommy Lee Jones yeah. by saying, "Our next presenter." Starred in every single motion picture in the year 1994, right? <laughs> and so I would say our next guest has starred in every single TV program and motion picture since 1993. Um, you've had a, you've had a. Great career, haven't you? Sorry, um, you know what? I'll change that. You're right.
1: having a great career. Oh, you're very kind. Um, I, I guess so. It's so weird. I don't think you um, you know your position in terms of um, you sort of in a way way need other people to tell you what you're up to in a really odd way. I sort of do. I, hear that a lot, I sort of know. reflect on it. But in sort of in in sort of practical terms in this business, you don't quite know where you fit into the food chain. I mean, so many actors will say um i did this job and uh and then it was the weirdest thing i didn't work for a year um unexpectedly so um you it just it healthily in a way keeps you on your toes really so um but i yeah i've uh, I've, I've i've had a i've had a great run but i also oddly in a strange way and i was thinking about this this morning i sort of feel I, i'm still so enormously engaged in this um in this lark um and uh, i i i do love it i do
2: is 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 that why that your you, your career is still only going on an upward trajectory. Is that because the enthusiasm and the passion is brighter now than than ever before?
1: Yes, I I firmly believe that. I mean, the industry changes as well, so you sort of ride alongside what the industry is up to. But I've I've always loved, um, I've always loved the screen, and I've sort of examined this more and more. I mean, there's more opportunity in many ways that doesn't go for everybody I, I, I know that um, but obviously the kind of the explosion of television and streamers and platforms and stuff you know the beast needs feeding in terms of material um,
2: it, it needs feeding with it, it has to be good as well doesn't and it
1: it's, that's the thing and so I think it was Peter Morgan who did, said in an interview and he's, he's right he said it's And okay, this is easy for him to say because of his his quality and his success and stuff. But he says, you know, you can get stuff made. The the challenge now is to get people to watch it. Um, But I still am a kind of a happy optimist and idealist in that I think the cream does rise to the top. Um, Audiences are really smart and really discerning. And they've got a brilliant trigger finger um, on their remote control and they can they can switch off. Um, So but I I do think the cream rises to the top and it's um, it's it's. A, seeking those things out and B, hoping they, they sort of potentially arrive in your inbox too. But television, I've always loved television. It's been a real um, passion of mine from years ago for the for the nature of the storytelling um, and also how you can, um, the process of filming, it, it, you can capture something, you can capture lightning in a bottle, um, I think, when you're, when you're, when you're making something um, in terms of sort of moment performance and all the rest of it. So um, I, I think that I find that I find it very thrilling. I, it can be long and, and, and slow and all of those things. But I think that the magic moment between um, and the build up or, 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 you know, it's the magic moment really between action and cut is, is, is can be can be kind of magic.
2: Now, you've been blessed with a great face as well. I mean, because you can play. <laughs> oh, you can, bless you. No, but you can. Well, I mean, by that is I could I tell you what, if we're not bonded already, that would sound like an insult. But you can yeah. play the, You can play the nicest person in the world. But like that, you you can play. I mean, pure pure malevolence, can't you? I think I have, um, and everything, I've, every shade in between. Well, I, that's lovely of you to say. I, I think I've just got an
1: amazing resting bitch face. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think, and I think it's getting more restingly bitch face-y the older I get, which I like. I have no no problem with. But sometimes I can be staring out of a window, um, thinking about um, daffodils, and people go, "Dude, what's up?" I'm like, what? Oh God, no, fuck, I'm fine. Now, whether that means I overcompensate by kind of Labrador around the place, I do not know. But um, no, I'm. But I'm pretty happy in my resting bitch face and long may it continue to rest and be bitchy, I suppose. But you're quite happy chap though aren't you I, I am i am and i i think so um i mean i don't sort of gamble uh, uh, you know through life um you know we all have our, our kind of anxieties and insecurities and thoughts and worries and stuff but um i i like to think i'm pretty good at pressing the pause button and looking around me and going you lucky bastard because um and, and a lot of that i have to say is, is rooted in in my um magnificent family that uh, i you know i do cherish for want of a, less theatrical word but um that's uh let's see that
2: that that aspect of my life is is huge as well how, how do you do that how do you press pause because a, a lot of us would like to know how to do it but are absolutely unable i think other
1: people help you do it in a way um in the sense that um i think actors can get wrapped up in themselves um of course we can it it happens um but I, I don't know. I think I think actually it's other people that help me do that. In the sense that um uh, I'm, my my wife Lucy, who is a really magnificent human being, I I just I don't know. It's 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 her really. Um sure. I think she's she's uh she is and has been and, and I hope for many years to come be be just such an extraordinary and brilliant and positive influence in my life. And I feel inordinately lucky. And I think not taking it for granted either. That's the thing. Um I I do somehow find the wherewithal to sort of press pause and go, just take a beat, look, breathe, and realise how fucking lucky you are. Um, and then off you go, back into your narcissistic world of madness,
2: <laughs> I think. I mean, one of your... One of the biggest hits of, of, of the career is is sex education. Now, this hasn't just been a hit. This is a, a global phenomenon, isn't it? I mean, that's... Um, it is. It's a, it's a, do you know what's so extraordinary about that show is that... Um, uh, <laughs> there were two shows
1: I was going to turn down in my life, um, for for very kind of, I suppose, connected reasons to what we were just talking about. Really, one was um, sex education, partly because um, I'd been working a lot and I'd been away a lot, and my family and I we had we had two weeks holiday booked during during the summer, and I just thought I can't. I can't not go. I think it's to the point where enough holidays have been cancelled or dad's had to duck out early, fully supported, I have to say, by, by my kids and, and Lucy. Um and I just thought, Not not this one, this one's too important. And I remember saying to my wife, I said, It's a it's got it's good, it's good, but I'm not I'm not prepared to sacrifice this two weeks. It's too important because my kids are getting older. You know, we rent our kids. They're about to go out into the world. And I thought, I'm not. I can't. And that's good. And I had totally made my peace with it. And so the conversations went back and forth. And uh, my agent completely understood and said, I get it. But we'll try and get those two weeks cleared in the schedule for you. And um, they weren't sure. But they said, we'll do our absolute best endeavors. And Knowing them as I know that team now, uh, I know that their best endeavours really were their best endeavours. Because sometimes you hear that phrase, best endeavours, yeah, and yeah. they're like, yeah, it'll be fine, i wonder. Yeah, worry yeah. About it. <laughs> um, And they did clear those two weeks. And sweet God, thank Christ, they did. Not because, because of the massive success of the show and all of the joy that that brings, but because um, it's been... I mean, the two seasons that we, we've done so far have just been some of the happiest working experiences of my life. So uh, so that was one. And the other one, actually, funny enough, was A Night Manager, which was another global, massive, ridiculous <laughs> hit that have brought some incredible people into my life and that have be- continued to stay very important to me. Um, because I think my reaction to that initially was, I don't know, I love Hugh Laurie's work so much, but do I want to stand just to the left of him and behind him, slightly out of focus? Uh, and then I reread it and just thought, shut the fuck up. Um, look at the people who are doing this. Look who's directing it. Look who's written it. Um, Hugh and Tom and Olivia and Tom Hollander, etc., cetera, et cetera. Um It was shut the fuck up and, and get on with it. And uh, yeah, so um, my, my career in life could be very different if I had... Not done those two <laughs> jobs for for I think pretty pretty okay reasons, but um, I think the phrase
2: sometimes shut the fuck
1: up and get
2: on with it can be quite a positive move. That, I mean that's that is great advice. in life generally. That, I, mate, I could not I, I could not agree more. Mm. Um, we, with I mean with sex education, are you mm. able to can, genuinely? Can you get through London? Are, are, are people is that sort of show where because it's been a huge hit with mm. late teens, twenties? Is that the sort of show where people are going? Yeah, yeah, you notice it
1: very yeah. quickly, um, and it, it kind of gets very exciting when you, if because I'm, I'm, we're, we're sort of quite a pretty close cast, um, uh, and and Connor Swindells and Amy Lou Wood, who Connor obviously plays my son. Um, there was a time actually when the, I think the I think the, sort of the Monday after the first season came out, and they'd obviously had no experience whatever of being recognised for for their work, um, Gosh, and yeah. uh, we sat in a we went to have a coffee at a, in a hotel. Sort of coffee shop in Shoreditch or somewhere equally groovy, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was interesting. Just suddenly going, them. I had my back to the room, and they were sitting at the bar looking out towards the room, and I was watching their faces, watching what was going on. Um, and in fact, actually, on the tube on the way here, there was uh, there was a kid sitting next to me. He must have been a kid. He's probably in his early mid twenties. He he was watching it in his packed tube. No way. He was watching it on his phone. It was absolutely brilliant and it was just before I got to green park and I was on the victoria line and I was sitting there just going come on come on come on come on come on come on I know this bit I know this bit I know this bit I know this bit and he he was just about to stand up and get off and I literally just nudged him and went all right mate and he literally just didn't know what was going on it was a sweet funny moment oh that is so I know it was great I mean, that was literally Mwah. I kid you not that was that was this morning so yes there's lots of but actually you, you it's interesting you talk about the kind of yes a lot of young people have engaged but um a lot of other people have. I mean, I, I loved it um, and people I know of, of my generation loved it because I think the best thing about the show is is that I, I, I've said this before, but I think it's true. I think everyone has an access point to that show. Um, you either are a teenager and really seeing yourself and how you feel about things reflected back at you. But I remember being 16, hopeless. I, I didn't know anything about anything when I was 16. I was in an all-boys school. I, I had no contact with, you know, with... with women or the opposite sex or, or however and uh so yeah i think it, it, it everyone has an access point into the show and i think that's what makes it kind of magic because actually at its heart yeah. sex education is a simple concept yeah. it's teenagers dealing with life and sex at school it, it's not a uh, it's not a complex idea. The, the the genius of it is how it has been executed, really, um, and that is a combination, obviously, of, of Laurie and and Laurie Nunn, who who's the sort of creator and lead writer, plus her writing team, uh, plus Ben Taylor and Eleven Television, and oh Christ, it sounds like an award acceptance speech, but you know, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I do, it, it really is. It's the execution yeah. of it is what makes it so special. Absolutely. And then back to the amount of television that's in the world, it just cut through like a. Fabulously <laughs> he really did, hot knife through fudge butter. Fuck it, one of those, and <laughs> it's it's lovely. Let's go with fudge, but it's a good thing because you hear weird sort of chats on on radio phone ins, and the show gets referenced as a, as a sort of a tool. And I think it should be. I think it should absolutely be. Because yeah, it's amazing. Go
2: to reference totally, you
1: know? and I think it should be on the curriculum somehow. I don't know how, but it should be on the curriculum because I've got three teenage sons. I've got two of my sons in early seventeen. Um, one of them is nineteen, and it's been invaluable. It really has, uh, so I'm
2: completely in love with it. In the same way that the the Inbetweeners was more than a, a, a funny sitcom, the Inbetweeners spoke to people because at school, I mean, I you know I wasn't the, the cool dude or anything. Like in a lot of those sorts of shows, where the Inbetweeners were, guys who were just trying to find their way, and I think that's why it resonated. And I and I think sex, sex education. I'm getting emotional saying this, but it has that. It's so important because when you watch a lot of TV shows, say at colleges or universities or schools, we're not all the the, the jock or the cheerleader. And that's it's so important that kids when I say kids again, late teens, 20s, but that can relate to three dimensional characters. I I think that's I think that's exactly it. And I think that is it, it really is the brilliance of it that.
1: And also, we—I think—if you're a human being, you're you're trying to figure life out. It's really life can be really fucking hard um, for for an awful lot of people. Yeah. And I think people spend their entire lives trying to figure figure it out, trying to find a way to be happy, trying to find out how they find out, work out how they feel about themselves. And ninety nine point nine percent of people don't have access to, to 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 sort of therapy and help to figure that out. Um, so I, but I do think that. Um, you know, the older you get, you 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 are still trying to figure stuff out, and still trying to get life right, and still trying to make yourself happy, and make hopefully other people happy if you have the opportunity, and if you can find a way to 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 do that, great. But the older you get, um, you, you're still trying to do it, but you just cover it up more because you have to. I think because a lot is coming at you. Trying, you know, the older yeah. you get, so um, it 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 sort of carries its message very warmly on its arm without sort of getting too sanctimonious about it. I think it just says, "Hey, it's okay. It's okay. We're all we're all up and at it." And we're I all think trying. You know, we're all, we're all trying. We're all all of us. And if someone says, "I don't need to try," then they're just lying. Mm. It's not true. We're all
2: trying as hard as we possibly can. Have you had the tap on the shoulder for season 3 yet? <clears throat> well, let's
1: Okay. I think it's, it's, it's highly and extraordinarily unlikely that Netflix would turn around and just say, no, I think we're done. You know, this global mega you know, smash. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I you, are good. Yeah. I, I, I would be very, st- I put it this way. If I got a phone call straight after recording this and they said, yeah, it just didn't really work. So, but great work. We're not going to go again. I would then probably storm Netflix towers and say, just give it here. I'll do it. Um, there's been no official nod at all. Uh, but um, if it's not if it's not due in the next sort of two three, uh, then the world has fundamentally <laughs> gone fiction mad. That's wonderful. Well, that's that, that's that's good. So that, I'm just going to say
2: yes, yes. Actually, yes. There you go. It's definitely happening. Yes. There you go. Um, now, the, I mean, the night manager reminded me there. Um, um, I, I guess was that one of those rare instances where, when you're making it, you sort of knew, yeah, this is this is going to be special. Or do you never know? I don't think you ever know. I think you can put it
1: to make something that's hugely successful is, is, is an alchemy. It's that old thing. You know, if if everyone knew how to do it, then, then it would be bottled and sold for a a reasonable price at, you know, your local shop, but your local telly producing shop, but it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work like that. I think you can put, you can put all the elements in place. And if you put the elements in place, so you've got the LaCari source material. Um you've got LaCarrie completely on side. You've got a, a a terrific outfit like the Ink Factory who are making it. You've got the backing um and the understanding and the the, the branding of the BBC. You've got Susanna Beer, inspired choice to direct. You've got Hugh. Laurie, you've got Tom Hiddleston, you've got a terrific cast, Olivia, etc. I've mentioned them before. So all the elements elements are in place. David Farr writing the script. So y- you have all the elements in place, but that is just zero guarantee that it could work. It could work, pardon me, but it, it could also be a rampant disaster. But somehow the alchemy came together. Um, it was a really, uh, it was a very happy shoot. Um, and then... So it's weird. You Then you put it out into the world. Uh, and we had the budget. And let's not forget, we had the budget to kind of achieve the, the, the look that we wanted. So all the ingredients are there. I think we kind of felt, gosh, this at least looks amazing when we were finishing in Morocco. Because we did about seven weeks in Morocco. And then yeah. we were in York for seven weeks. It was hell, as you can tell. Yeah, yeah. Miserable. <laughs> thoughts are with you. Um, <laughs> thoughts and prayers. Uh, and we were shown, um, Susanna sort of cut together a two-minute a little kind of real, really, just so we could see what we were up to before the next leg, before we went off to, to Mallorca to, to, to carry on filming. And she put it on a, on a big TV in the bar of the Hotel in Morocco where a casting crew gathered to sort of say thank you to a Moroccan crew as we moved on to, to Mallorca. And uh, we watched that sort of two, two-and-a-half-minute reel and went, oh, shit. And in fact, it was someone, I think, wow. in sound who kind of bounded up and just sort of said, fuck, I, I'll keep doing this for free.
2: Yeah, 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 um, yeah.
1: And I think then we sort of felt a little tickle of, shit, this is good. And then, you know, you you put it out and, uh, yeah, what a response that was. Home run, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, home run, amazing, amazing. Elizabeth
2: Debicki? Yes. How, I, I've heard, I've heard, I listen to there's a... Uh, Quite an actor heavy podcast license called blank check right one two hosts one's an actor one's a film writer I think oh, yeah. it's quite a deep dive in acting I bet, I bet you'd love it but they they they've earmarked her as they think she's the the future of motion pictures wow how how, how good how good is uh, elizabeth debicki she's really good i yeah. think she can i think she can play anything she's
1: got one of the great one of the great skills is, which is incredibly hard to learn i think as as a young actor joining this business to work on camera um is is stillness um, and she can just it's that ability to do nothing but you can see everything um, and that's that's not something you can necessarily learn. you can learn aspects of it, but I think she has it um she has it in bucket loads and she's smart. Um, as well, she's smart and she's kind of courageous, and I, I do think she can play anything. And it's brilliant. It's so nice to work with someone reasonably early on in their career because then you sort of just sit back on the sofa and just watch, um, watch them kind of fly. And uh, yeah, she's she's a phenomenal talent. Who, were in terms of stillness, who, who are the who are the greats there historically? God, that's a really good question. Um, uh, I I've always been a huge fan of alan rickman um he could he could do anything i remember watching a play in 92 called tango at the end of winter which is a play i would love to do and i don't think it's going to be possible for reasons that people can you know quite right reasons that people can look into but right. um i wouldn't be cast in that part now um right rightfully so but um he did a play this tango at the end of winter and uh that's kind of when i I sort of fell in love with him and got lucky enough to work with him actually directed me in a, in a, in a film um some many years later extraordinary yeah, which was a privilege, but that kind of stillness and I think also that ease on screen it's a kind of a stillness and the ability to watch someone on screen that just has and on stage that has this this effortlessness um and uh and when you sort of see that you you it's so seductive and fantastic for an audience to to kind of watch and enjoy but a true a true still um redford could do you know i'm a, I'm a big redford fan um uh i'll have to give a very quick shout out to kate rose james the casting director because every friday she posts on instagram a picture of robert redford <laughs> so i know it's friday it's worth following for that yeah alone, isn't so it? just follow yeah. kate rose james on twitter <laughs> uh, on on instagram um but uh, yeah very very
2: still people um on screen that you just can read everything and Debbie can do that one thing again this is the highest compliment with with yourself, I would say I've written down Gene Hackman to remind myself. But like Gene Hackman, you have this tremendous versatility. Oh shit, the bed—that's nice, thank you. But do you do you think is that one of the reasons for the for this longevity, which again only not only shows no signs of stopping, but is only getting more and more impressive with with each passing? I don't year? know.
1: It's interesting that 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 notion of versatility. Uh, I, I think actors can. Get obviously get typecast. Um, I know I've played a lot of bad dudes, um, and sometimes you'll read a bad dude and go. I could. My agent will sometimes just say, "I'm sending you a thing. Have a read." Sometimes she couples that with, "Oh, you can do this standing on your head." Sure. Um, a lot of times you do read it and go, uh, "Yeah, I've got this, no problem. I know what you want." But then I find that, and I go, "Okay." But my first reaction to that is, "I'd like to like. I'm interested in this part, but I'm not interested in this part because he's the bad dude or a bad dude." I immediately start thinking, "Okay, what is there within that that we can? We, the sort of the grey area we can get get more kind of engaged in." And and inevitably, it's sort of, dare I say, it usually elevates the material. You start to... So in a way, you're kind of almost given a blank page. You're going, I, OK, I've got this. And in yeah. fact, I'm reading something at the moment, um, which is actually about... Um, it's about a father who has lost his daughter. But on the surface, he is a sort of a, a vengeful, um, angry man um, uh, and does some rather bad things. That's the surface. It's... Mar- once you start to get sort of dive down into to to the human being because no one's born good no one's born evil Uh, it it grows for a lot of different reasons and uh and i think that's that's kind of that's what really interests me so someone says you can do this standing on your head i go yeah i can do that bit but let's work harder than that and let's find the good stuff Um, and i think you you do need you know good quality writing to 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 achieve that and sometimes you read something and go yeah you just want me to twiddle a moustache so thank you but but not on this occasion but a lot of times and more times than you think and especially if you engage with the, with the, with the director as well and just say sure. I think it's this yeah. suddenly they go oh that's interesting because I'll always find a reason for someone to do what they do they do a bad thing but why have they done it I don't have to show the audience as long as I know it. Then hopefully you start to find the interesting things and in a character that people will respond to, not just go, "Oh, you're an asshole." And in fact, there's a really good example of this actually on sex education. That there's our stills photographer Sam Taylor, who took he sort of ferrets around on set and takes a thousand and one pictures, yes, uh, brilliantly so. And he sent me a picture the other day, and it's um. And I've actually put it up on my uh, on my Instagram, so I think it really says something remarkable about the character that I play in, in Sex Head, the principal, who everyone on the outset can just goes, you're a fucking asshole to your son. And I go, absolutely, but why is that the case? And he caught this amazing still photograph. And it's a s- side shot of me just looking out to, to the sort of school alumni on stage. It's a really extraordinary photograph, um, because he's caught fear. He's caught fear. And I think one of the big motivations for that character is fear. He's afraid. He's so afraid. Um and that must be great for an
2: actor that he's he's, he's captured that moment. yeah he has
1: and i looked at it for the and it was it was almost revelatory i I sort of knew it um and i'd sort of planned and talked about it in terms of playing that character but there's sometimes not a lot of opportunity to display that um you're playing subtext you're 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 playing kind of very nuanced character aspects it helps if if the writing gives you the chance to sort of display that not necessarily obviously but it's there but then i saw this still um and just went there you go he's caught it um, that beat, which is imperceptible, and the amazing thing was that the responses to the picture on Instagram—you know, the audience that just kind of yell at you, just going, "Stop being mean to Adam!" Also, go, "Oh yeah, okay."
2: Ah, so that's the challenge. Amazing. Take a bad dude and uh, f- discover their humanity. Now, you've achieved something that—I uh, mean, my, I include myself in this—but millions of people can only dream of. <laughs> you've been in a star. You've been in a Star Wars. I film. really have. And Now, I you, really have. We were fans. Star Wars 1977
1: was the first film I saw in the cinema. Are you um, joking? No, first film I saw, and in fact, mate, that I know, I know it's mental. I know it's bonkers, isn't it? And it also, I know it was in Salisbury, and it was in in Wiltshire, and it was an old uh, one of those, you know, old school cinemas. Where it was it was velvet seats, and you stood up, and the seat went. Doo-doo. And um, in my sort of purple rose of Cairo head, I I sort of was the only one in the cinema. (laughs) That's now my happy false memory. But I went to see it. And actually, the amazing thing was that that, um, when Gareth um, Edwards, the director, um, via Gina J, the casting director, and via my agent, phoned up and said, uh, you know, Gareth would love you to be in his Star Wars film. You're like, oh, come on. That's ridiculous. Um, And uh, I had two caveats, really. Uh, I just said, great don't need to know anymore. I'm in. I just, uh, I just want a cool name and I want a line. That's all I want. Doesn't matter. That's all I want. And they came back and said, yes, you have a name and yes, you have a line. And I thought, job done. I can oh go to the cinema. God. I can watch myself in a fucking star Wars film with my three teenage sons. I mean, how good is that? So, uh, yeah, yeah. Did, did the Star Wars film and it kind of morphed and changed. And so sort of two weeks of my life turned into a year on and off, which was amazing. Um, And uh, uh, I emailed Gareth after we finally wrapped this film after some reshoots and rejigs and all the rest of it. And I emailed Gareth and I just said, um, I, I feel like this person who was sitting in the cinema as a seven year old boy. And I stood up um, from my seat in the cinema. I walked down the carpeted aisle, climbed onto the stage and walked into the screen. And I, it, it it really felt like that, and then Gareth he might be back about half an hour later and just said that's exactly how I feel. He was directing Darth Vader in in a sound booth in uh, James Earl Jones in a sound booth in New York. Um, doing the lines for Darth Vader in in Rogue One, and he uh, he just said, "I mean, for fuck's sake!" He was sitting behind James Earl Jones, and James Earl Jones giving it the whole thing, and he was just like, "What the fuck is going on? This is insane!" But he had to, you know, you had to clear that out of your head pretty quickly. Um, and then get on with get on with the job in hand, and so it, it, it's an enormous privilege. And the great thing also about those films is that they do. There is a commercial aspect. Let's not kid ourselves. There's a huge commercial aspect to these films. But the people that make them have been involved in kind of Lucasfilm for for many many years, um, and now Disney. And they really give a shit about the stories that they 're telling they they value the importance of the fan base and the stories they they 're telling and the themes that they 're addressing and it 's impossible to please everyone all of the time but um they 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 're a really smart, engaged bunch of people you know john knoll has been working on on star wars for for decades mm. so um it, it for a big budget film, a lot of those things can be incredibly anonymous but um, that had a, a kind of an extraordinary, as in, because of the scale of the shoot. But that had a, a kind of an amazing intimacy to it, and I'm I'm deeply, deeply fond of it. I have to say, the experience and and being a part of it, and and yeah, I got more than a line. I got more lines, and I, I still had a cool name. And uh, it was yeah,
2: I loved it. I loved it. It's it's a hugely yeah, I'm, I, it's a privilege. The thing with Rogue One as well is obviously it did tremendously well at the box office. Yeah, but big but. Uh, it- Right now, it, it has it, it possibly has more love than ever. Yeah, it, it does. It's a film that's really uh, yeah, it does. It's really gathered somehow more and more momentum. Yeah, over has. time, hasn't it? It's really amazing. It, it really does. It'll it'll
1: it'll you know happily last, firmly wedged in the in the pantheon of of the kind of a canon really. And uh you know who knows the upcoming tv show um i've also got some really smart people working on it so um i think tony gilroy's back involved Stephen schiff who show ran the americans who's again brilliantly smart again they just hire really clever people to make a make a show are they hiring another
2: clever person for that show well i'm just
1: going to take a little sip of my tea here oh no it's empty um we shall see i mean yeah no possibly we've had a chat of course we've had a chat um i i'd like to be involved I'm being. That's so shit. That's such an obtuse answer. Um, I haven't signed a contract, but I'd love to be involved. Should they come knocking on my door? Which they've kind of, sort of poked their head through the window. Let's say,
2: mate. That's. I mean, that's so exciting, isn't it? Potentially. Disney, because I mean, the way. Uh, hang on. We've 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 known each other for about an hour, but I'm I'm your I'm your I'm speaking yes, with your We're going to dinner with Freddy Fox and Rufusall straight after this. So I'm 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 I'm, I'm mindful. I've got my. Uh, Alistair the petri hat on here so I've got to be very very careful but given that uh the recent announcement that Disney are focusing more on the small screen which which as a huge Star Wars fan yep. is wonderful because the 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 way we've talked about it already the way a story can be told across TV this is it's a wonderful position to be in
1: yeah yeah it really is it's amazing um but the way we consume television now is so different and and yeah they've got vast sums of money to to throw at these at these stories but um, you know they'll only make them if there's an audience for them. I mean, they're not going to flog a flog a dead horse. And if there's sort of four people going, no, really, not that bothered. So, um, yeah, what a time, what a time to be alive in
2: Teletland. Now, um, regular listeners will know that I, I will cry at the the drop of a hat. If I was to put together the top ten movies that made me sob the most, mm. Clou- Cloud Atlas is mm. it's right up there. Mm. Um, again, that's another movie. That I, I really, I quite passionately feel that will be remembered as a as a, a, a masterpiece. I fucking I love that film That's so amazing. much. Um, may I ask, as a as a huge fan of that film, what what mm. what, was the, what was that like to make?
0: Ready to pop the question.
2: Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save ten percent on your first month. That's BetterHelp. H E L P.
1: Well, the great thing was, although it, it, again on a vast scale, um, that film obviously budget, locations, the cast was was mad. Um, it was, but it was still an experiment. I mean, that was a strange thing. Um, the the makers, the uh, the Wachowskis and Tom Tickfer. So, three directors, six completely different stories, all very much interlinked, everyone playing three, four, five, six parts um varying different size and degree um I think I did four or five in that yeah um so it was a it was a kind of a glorious experiment um and yeah, I'd never known scale like it. I mean, we've sort of flying f- to and from, because of course everyone was made up to the nines and different things, and that was successful to a certain extent. Um, but they, I think that that revelatory moment was, you know, it's, it's a novel described as it's completely unfilmable. And I remember talking to, um, to, to both, um, the Wachowskis and, and Tom and the Tikva, and we were, and I said, so what, how, and they, they they were trying to figure it out. They wanted to work together and they went to a beach. Um, they rented a little place on a beach in Mexico to kind of just try and distill this book. And their, their kind of revelation was, their eureka moment was, I think we can make this work if we have a company of actors and they're involved in all the stories or at least most of the stories. Because the sort of continuing thread throughout the film is, is that you're sort of, your soul travels through time. Yeah. Um, and so you could be playing, you know, you could be a different character in, in all of the stories, but essentially your soul. And I was, you know, an, uh, another glorious asshole, um, an asshole soul. And, um, And so that's what they endeavoured to do. And so I think based on that, everyone went, yeah, come on, we're in. So it had this kind of drive of we're on this kind of mad company of actor experiment. Um, Let's see if we can pull it off. I mean, there's no sort of particular pressure on our shoulders because, you know, give us the lines and we'll say them. But for them, what a a magnificent endeavour to attempt and hugely successful um, in certain regards. Um, Not so in other aspects, but... But you've got to go for it to find out whether you can achieve it. But I, I think you're right. I think it'll be the kind of film that people will quietly continue to discover. Um, and and because thematically, I think it's 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 an incredibly powerful film. And some of the performances. And you, you, you're right. Some of those moments are extraordinary. And in fact, the music. There's the, the first trailer that came out. It's it's a song called Outro by M83. And I play that from time to time. Um, and I think it captures the essence of. Um, of, of a lot of that film so if you ever M83 Utro hear that song you'd have probably heard it before it's just a piece of orchestral music and it was on the first trailer and for me it kind of emotionally sums up the endeavour um, but what a privilege to work with that that three as well the Wachowskis and, and Tom I
2: mean yeah again pause button look back lucky bastard If you, I mean, if, if any listener hasn't seen it It was on Sky Cinema. I don't know if it's still on there, but I I would urge you to check it out. And it's one of those movies where, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid, dear listener... You gotta put your phone in another room. Yeah. Because there there's no checking emails you are in that one.
1: No, go with it. Go with it. And and, go and with it. love yeah. it and let it make you angry and stick with it and disagree with, with certain portions of it in terms of, of of style. Um but just yeah, absolutely. Turn your phone off, turn the lights off. Turn the lights off, and, absolutely. Uh, and just just dive into it and, and just see where you end up the other side and let it let it let it really drive itself through you.
2: I think like a great novel it really scrapes the soul. Yeah it does it can I I, I
1: do I do know exactly what you mean. Uh, I do the first time I saw it was at the Toronto Film Festival, which was kinda bizarre because we were all introduced on stage, which was yeah (laughs) I think I was first. And then you know, while we're waiting backstage, you do look around and go, and Hank Sansarandon and Jim Broadbent and Hugh Grant and da dum da dum da dum. You're like, what the fuck is this? This is insane. (laughs) Um, there was a massive party they threw afterwards, and my business partner was, um, who I have a production company with. He was there promoting another film that he was in, and uh, I, I was I was so overwhelmed. We went back to the hotel bar and drank copiously, um, because it was just too insane. It was, the whole thing was insane, um, but I look back on it with with yeah, huge fondness, just part, mainly because of just the magnificent endeavor that it was. Uh, Mr. Hanks, what what was that like meeting? meeting He's everything you would you would hope and want him to be. Um, he, uh, he and I met um, the first time I was... Because of all the makeup tests we had to do for Cloud Atlas, I was sitting in um, in, a, in a makeup chair in, in the Babelsberg Studios in Berlin um, weeks before shooting had began. And they were putting on weird noses and false ears and, and all sorts of things. And uh, my eyes closed. And I was there for about three hours... I've been there, I suppose. I've ultimately been there for three hours, but I've been there for about sort of half an hour. And then in in footsteps came and sat down and his voice went, hey, I went, oh shit, that's Tom Hanks. Um, and then we uh, we spent the next two and a half hours just chatting about uh, life, paparazzi, the, the uh, Leveson inquiry was happening at that time. So we we talked extensively about that um, and uh, his sort of feelings towards it. And he told me this, this kind of amazing story that he was at home, um, I think in the, in the Pacific Palisades uh, and he was walking. He was on a walk. A very strange thing that people do in Los Angeles. But he was walking in the Pacific Palisades. And uh, it was a sunny day. And there was a guy um, up a tree with a camera um, shooting photographs into someone's house, his neighbor's um, house. And she had just had a baby. Um, and she, a well-known actress, daughter of a very well-known, uh, you know, acting dynasty. Sure. And this guy was snapping photographs. And Tom sort of walked past, look up, look, looked up and kind of walked on and then stopped and looked up and uh, and said, excuse me. And this photographer looked down and went, yeah, what, buddy? And then carried on taking pictures. Then rapidly realized he was like, oh, fuck, that's Tom Hanks. And then immediately <laughs> whipped the camera around and started taking photographs of Tom. And Tom said, stop, stop, just, just stop. Just, just come come, just, just come down. So this guy kind of nervously got down from the tree. And he said, just put the camera down. Just sit with me. I just want to ask you. What? Yeah. I said, I just want to ask you, uh, you know, he said, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? Uh, and he said, I'm taking pictures. And he said, well, I, I can see that. What are you, what are you taking pictures of? Um, and he said, uh, I, uh, I'm trying to take a picture of of, um, of this, this this woman's baby. Because if, if I get the first picture of this actress and her baby, then, um, you know, I can sell that for gazillions. And he said, Tom said, OK, well, how, how much? And he gave him a figure. I like the figure. I don't remember the figure, but it was hundred. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Are you joking? Yeah, seriously. Um, uh, and so... A huge, huge amounts of money, and and uh, he said. So what we Tom said to him, what do you earn in a year? To this photographer, and he said, Well, what what do you, what do you earn in a year? And he said, Listen, you can pick up the New York Daily Post. You'll know what I earn sure. for a picture. That, <laughs> you you can find that out. It's not <laughs> hard. What do you earn? And he told him, and he said, In a good year, <clears throat> for sort of exclusive photographs, and I guess this was a few years ago, so not quite kind of Instagram land, but but pretty close. Um, it's all still very digital and all the rest of it. But he said, You know, this guy said, as a top paparazzi, you can earn a lot of money. Um, a lot, hundreds of thousands. I mean, literally... I didn't realise. Yeah, a lot yeah, of money. Right. Okay. I don't know what it's like now. I'm not a paparazzo. I don't know how it works. Yeah. But if if you get that sweet shot, you can get a lot of money. So he, uh, they had this conversation, um, which was kind of uh, pretty remarkable. And so Tom was... And so he was kind of illustrating... Sort of the power of of that that sort of intrusion, and I think it's probably illegal to take pictures, but actually uh, inside inside some private property, all oh, the rest of it. But it was cool. a pretty remarkable thing. But he's um yeah, and I've just sort of very hilariously and very briefly worked with Tom very obscurely um recently again, which was very lovely on his new film, The Greyhound, which I'm not in, but you hear me, uh, which I kind of did as a very happy favour for for Mister Hanks, um and that was um and the film, the bits I've seen of the Greyhound, which is a new new film, look look amazing. So um. Yeah, I, I kind of revel in all these amazing opportunities. I just, I never take any of my work or any of my life for granted. I think that's, that's, um, a kind of a common thread throughout. So I, 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 I'm, I'm like a big old Labrador when I'm working. Um, I, I, I love it. I've that's never great. lost my love for it, um, at all. Uh, you know, it's not, it all sounds like a bed of, of, of roses and it's not because it's it's not always easy you 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 know things that you desperately characters you desperately want to get jobs you want to get because you're desperate to investigate the character you don't always get those opportunities because it's an industry built on rejection and everyone gets rejected all of the time because it happens and let's not beat around the bush that happens to absolutely everybody whoever you are it is an industry built on rejection but when you do get those opportunities then yeah i i do fully embrace them because um you know it is a short time and i do something i love so uh I, I do very much have the sense of let's let's fucking go for this and and revel in it and celebrate it and figure it out and uh, contribute and see how it lands.
2: Was Hank's trying to get this guy to question his own life choices, or was he just trying to get a, a measure on the no, guy? No, I think he was just really curious. I yeah, think he wanted sure. to get
1: to the bottom of it. I mean, Tom also said something rather good. He said he his he's he said when I arrive in a re- a restaurant. With my wife, there isn't anybody, you know, there because you're going to a restaurant. There's no, you know, he chooses restaurants that he likes to go to that aren't necessarily the places to be seen at, all the rest of it. Um, But he said that when I come out of the restaurant, if he said there can be photographers there. He said, but now people don't care because if I'm out for dinner with my wife, I come out. And he said, and who needs another picture of Tom Han smiling? Um, So. uh, So he said, I don't, you know, I don't have to struggle with that. Um. But I said, "So what? What happens then?" And he said, "On occasion, what has happened." Which is that you know people will yell, um, and there's I think there's nowadays a lot of amateur, amateur sort of paparazzi. So I'm not saying that you're if you're a professional paparazzi that gives you certain rights or whatever, but I'm just saying there's a lot of amateur people. The camera on these, on yeah, on the phone, exactly, exactly, will yell the most extraordinary things. He said because a picture of Tom Hanks smiling won't earn anyone any money, if but a picture of, of Tom Hanks with it. Can you imagine that with a screwed up face throwing a punch? Not that he ever would, but you know what I mean. If you, can you see get why yelled, some of these guys react though, can't you? you I think you can um, because nobody gives a fuck. It's the it's the picture that counts nobody gives a fuck how it came about no one's going to listen to the notion of yeah but this person yelled yelled this he uh, he said that my kids da 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 um but you know what i I, i've never had to deal with any of that stuff so it's all very much secondhand knowledge and you know people are trying to make a living but um but I, i do you know empathize with people who find themselves in those situations that uh, yeah, I think yeah, Thomas is trying to just trying to kind of drill down into it and get an understanding of it really. Um I think that's that's all he was trying to do. But it's uh but he's a he's a he's a great example of of someone in this business who I think his mantra is, and he's spoken about this, which is kind, 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 aspire to be kind. Um and and that's, that's, that's hard, isn't it? I, I think it is hard. Yeah, I think it is hard. Um Have you seen
2: Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood? I have. Oh,
1: I'd love that film. Yeah, I know. The great Matthew Reese
2: um and uh and and tom yeah i mean the message of that film he is i guess kind 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 isn't it uh,
1: yeah and i think that's what um when tom talks about that um i keep saying tom tom this tom that <laughs> listen to me um mr hanks tom hanks sir tom hanks <laughs> he um he uh yeah he he when interviews i think talking about that film he did a very good interview and, and uh and i think he was attracted to playing that part because of that very kind of mantra which i know that he he identifies with um I'm sure it doesn't come easy to him all of the time why would it it doesn't come easy to anyone trying to be kind but in a in a in a happy world it's it's at least try as best you,
2: as best you can everything about life is as best you can let's face it I, please may I ask you a question about your connection to the queen now this is this is wonderful to me uh, you have been you have been seen by the queen on christmas day can you explain <laughs> yeah.
1: that yes so Uh, I'm going to pick up for those that that have heard the Freddie Fox um, um, uh, podcast on the balance. Um, Yeah, he talked about visiting the set of a Burt Reynolds film and being a big fan of Burt Reynolds. And uh, uh, I I listened to that that podcast and laughed because I was in that film. Uh, A bunch (laughs) of amateurs, 1997, I think. uh, And I was there when Freddie came on set. Um, So I have to talk to him about that it was a funny moment but yeah yes so the queen we we, it was an extraordinary working experience which um i don't really need to repeat in terms of where bert was in his life um and so we kind of struggled through making this film we made this film Um, and we're all kind of willing for it to do quite well. And the script was so good, but I think it was hard to fulfill the script. I'm being a little cagey. I don't need to be because just listen to Freddie. He'll tell you. Um, And uh, so we made the film and, you know, fingers crossed. And then... A few weeks, months later, I got a sort of text message going. Don't say anything, but the film has been chosen in the footsteps of Gandhi and A Bridge Too Far to be the Royal Command Film performance of nineteen oh god, what was it ninety eight something like that. And uh, so we all trooped off to the Odeon this Leicester is Square. Extraordinary! I know. Uh, so there was uh, the great Sir Derek Jacobi, Samantha Bond, Dame if she's not, she should be, Imelda Staunton. Maybe she turned it down. I don't know. But um, who else was there?
2: Oh god. Anyway, we were all. We would would Hisslop and Newman have been there as well? Oh? Would Hisslop and Newman oh, have yeah, been there? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Um, they were there, two brilliant humans, I have to say. And uh, we were all introduced on stage at the Leicester Square, and my mum and dad were there, and that was brilliant. And um, family. Anyway, so, and we were placed so that the light, we were introduced on stage, and the lights go down, and then we're ferreted back, and we sit in our very special seats. Um, uh, in that sort of royal circle of the Odeon Leicester Square, right behind um Prince Philip and uh, and the Queen, and every time there was like beats in it where a dog pisses on some luggage, um, and any time anyone swore, Philip's head would throw he'd throw his head back and roar with laughter, and the Queen would elbow him and just go shush, Philip. Um, <laughs> But apparently, she loved the film so much. Some weeks later, she uh, she got in contact with the producer and said, um, or her, her her people did, and her people. Does the Queen have people? Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> probably, yeah, a lot of a lot of people, and said Her Majesty the Queen would very much like a copy of the uh, DVD disc, um, so that uh, they may watch uh, the uh, the traditional Christmas Day film, um, which is. What you have to do, you have to have lunch. Uh, There's a whole routine they do, apparently, at Sandringham, wherever they go. And they would want to watch the... um uh, yes, the bunch, a bunch of amateurs for the fi- their the film. The film. The Christmas Day film for the royal family. So, allegedly, the entire royal family. Uh, so, duly, the DVD disc was uh, dispatched off to Buckingham Palace, was wrapped in a bow and dispatched to Sandringham, where, after that, turkey and pigs in horseback, and they were probably all completely hammered, sat down and fell asleep in front of a bunch of amateurs. Um, so, that's great. That's so good. One day, I will meet the Queen and go, Mum, lovely to meet you. Could I just ask you? When the
2: dog pissed on the suitcase, <laughs> did he laugh again? I know it's great, isn't it? What a brilliant thing! So, so, every, so, so, when the dog does the wee on the, the yeah. luggage, he's laughing as if he's watching Peak Monty Park. You know, he, it,
1: yeah, I think just kind of bit of swearing, a bit of coarse humour. You know, some happy, obvious gags, um, can't his gags. Gag. Just loved it. Uh, yeah, it was so funny. So I spent... The t- I wasn't watching the film while they were so doing the, 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 the Royal Gala jig. Because you go, um, don't you? you do, we, we yeah, do you, the, do, oh, you do the whole thing. Hilarious. You wave and then get the hell out of there. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Um, and just, I watched Prince Philip and Hamad watching a bunch of amateurs. So that was a, a very surreal evening. Um, and I was sitting actually next to Addy Circus as well um, because he, uh, he was there as the as husband of Lorraine Ashbourne, who was also in the film. The great Lorraine Ashbourne. And, uh, whatever
2: became of Andy Circus? I know,
1: whatever became of Andy Circus? So sad. So very sad. Um, and uh, yeah, he's uh, he's the nuts. And Lorraine is amazing. And she's she's such a fabulous actress. And so I spent the entire time sitting next to Andy and Lorraine, basically watching the Queen and Prince Philip watch a bunch of amateurs. Um, and then we went to the pub. Amazing. Not with the Queen.
2: Now, be- before you go, may I ask, what do you do? You're, you're obviously a very busy guy. IMDb speaks for itself I know you've got, yeah. you've got stuff coming up what, what, do you do for, what do you do for balance what do you do um, for
1: balance yeah. um, well professional balance actually um, there's two aspects to this I yes. think professional balance um, I'm now moving into a uh, in fact tomorrow morning at about 7.30 for the first time in my career I will be yelling action um i I make my directing on camera debut tomorrow morning huge congratulations well it's it's a short film but it's a very ambitious um short film um it's written by a guy called Dave Kajganik, who I work with on the terror um he wrote the first season of the terror yeah. with um, with sue and uh so when I got the opportunity to make this um i i was asked um I sort of said "Well, who writes it and they said anyone you want I went, okay so I phoned Dave and Dave said yes this is um, a huge deal isn't it I, well yeah I mean it's a huge deal in terms of the experience and I've been living with it since um, well actually I, I said I'd love to do it about a year ago um, and uh, sort of timing wise this this was the right time so from going from two weeks ago to going, I haven't, I literally said out loud, I said, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, to two days ago going, right, let's go. We're ready, which sure. is great. So professional balance, I would say, um, and this is something I say to young actors, too. I said, just just don't sit by the phone waiting for it to ring. Um, it will from time to time, maybe. Um, and that holds true nowadays for me, too. Um, collaborate. Um, create whatever you can, Uh, write something with someone together. Don't worry about where you're aiming it to end up. Write, collaborate, and get together with other sort of creative people um, and talk about ideas. Um, And it could be anything. It could be writing podcasting anything anything it doesn't you know you can do so much now with, 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 with computers and you can edit films you can make films on a fucking iPhone you can do all of that so just try and find a story you want to tell and tell it you can do it but collaborate but also we, we, myself and my partner with our company this red rock we're moving into pr- production as well so we've got two shows one that we're going to do out of America hopefully this year and another one we've just um, signed a deal with um, with uh, a, a fantastic com- production company in the UK which we haven't announced the show yet, but it's uh, it's a really, it's one of the, the top production, independent production companies in, in, in the UK. And uh, we all know who runs it. There you go. That's, yeah, I have to be a little obscure. Sure, sure. Because we haven't announced a show, that's why. So we're doing that. And so so that's my professional balance. So So taking stories and trying to find a way to tell them, as well as being given a script and performing it. So professional balance, um, life balance is, is home, um, is family, Mm -hmm. um, is really important to me, making sure I'm present and engaged in my son's lives. Um, because I, I just, they're growing up so fast and they will go out into the world. Um, you know, if you love them, let them go and all other good cliches, but, um, so, so home, um, is, is really important and, and my, my relationships, um, and my friendships, but the balance is hard because work um, and the work I want to do and the work I aspire to do um, is, is I think about it a lot, all the time. It's always in my head. Um, so I've got to be careful, I think, sometimes just to press, find a way to press the pause button. And sure. as we, this is a, oh, a sneaky way, I guess, of coming back to the beginning of what we started to talk about, really. But um, find a way to pause. And it, it, I, I don't find it easy because... Uh, I, I'm 50 years old and I feel the next 10 years of my working life is really important. Um, there's a lot to do and there's a lot to investigate. Um, and hopefully I'll get the opportunity to do that, be given some opportunities. But I, I, I firmly believe I've got to create those opportunities, not just I'm not making shit that I can be in the stories that, that, that I, I kind of want to be involved in telling with a whole host of other people. These two shows that that, that Sid and I, um, uh, Alexander Sadig Call him Sid. That I uh, are trying to create um, are not designed for our own, you know, our own sort of on camera benefit. It's very much about stories that, that we're excited about. So, there's a lot to do in the next ten years, but I also know that within those ten years and beyond, um, um, I've got to celebrate the other, you know, lovely things I have in my life, which which is 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 the human human beings really, and keeping an eye on that is really really careful. Got to be careful.
2: I mean, these these twenties will probably be your busiest most successful decade maybe which is saying which is really no and i think yeah.
1: I, I do feel i think quietly feel that um uh, that 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 i'm i'm sort of i do I say moving forward or i think i'm probably moving sideways and forwards but i, I don't feel like I'm, I'm moving backwards either creatively or um oh, can i say emotionally i don't know uh but i think certainly creatively um moving forwards and that's that's really exciting and you start to people I'll tell you one thing happens a lot of people start calling you sir it's really odd you say this is a great script and someone goes gosh thank you sir it's like god I don't know better than you I've always been open to learning from, from anyone I don't give a fuck if you're 25 years old Absolutely. if you are smart mm. then fuck I'll listen to the things you have to say I don't go yeah well that's kind of smart but and that's just bullshit and that's the joy of this business too You can, well, I don't care I don't care about walking into a room and having to read for a 24 year old director um, I don't care um, I'm, I'll, I'll work and engage with anyone in this, this business and learn from anybody. And hopefully that'll, you know, keep me in, keep me in pretty rude, creative health for the rest of my happy days.
2: Uh I can't thank you enough that was such a thrill that was amazing it's a, such a pleasure it's lovely just you know what it's just always nice to sit down and chat and I just feel that's what we've done and so thank you very much for the opportunity bless you um h- huge thanks and, and well done with everything thank you how we met? what an, honestly what a fucking amazing career what fun well yeah i, ge- I guess i guess i don't know so others for judge others to judge i get so i mean I, we can pause now but i i've had that a few times i've said to someone about i've pointed out things that they've done and i think because and it's same with you because they're the person who's living the life they've never realized until so you actually you don't know you still, go, you still oh, yeah feel, okay yeah. sure you know you do still feel like a big
1: you do feel like a big old kid really just still you're slightly wide-eyed and a bit like wow cool um and i think that's probably healthy i'd never want to be that person who just turns around and just goes ah oh, yeah no what what's that what what the fuck what oh, i don't know i don't know i just fuck it life's so fucking short um bounce through it as, as hard and fast as you can really oh uh, yeah it's odd it's odd amazing thank, thank you, you very so much, much. It was so, that was great really man. fun really good you're you're incredibly kind too so I appreciate all
2: of that I don't know. huge thanks to alice petri uh as i say earlier if you could share it that would be amazing if you don't want to i mean you know can't, we can't make you um but it, it, it really helps we are at balance ldn i am at james gill comedy uh you might have either i had a tweet go viral after the boris announcement you might have seen it something like 3 million page impressions, something ridiculous, 14,000 likes. If I could put a positive, sp- I, I'm not aware it's a global pandemic, but um, maybe if you're like me, you're finding that you are using the time to be as creative as, as possible. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us, um, please get drop our sales team a line. If you'd like to work with us, we are sales at balance.media. Probably hear my four-year-old calling my name. And that means that I should probably go. Um, But as I say, if you are, right, I'm going to go now. If you are a business and you want to work with balance, maybe it's creative solutions. (coughs) Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's sponsoring this. uh, Drop our sales team a line. We are sales at balance.media. And I am podcast at balance.media. Do you want to say goodbye? Do you want to say bye bye? Yes, please. Go for it. Say goodbye. Uh, what do you have to say, Daddy? Just say goodbye and and uh, Thank you. I wish you well.
0: Goodbye and I wish you well. Nailed it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars